0: Hey guys, this is Dustin and Evan. We're back with another episode of the Red and White Podcast. Uh, this week we took a little bit of a different approach here, and we were joined by the fellows from the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. We had a little roundtable discussion talking about the season that was, you know, their thoughts on Dave Dorn, Matt Canada leaving, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we had a really good time in recording it. I think there's some good stuff there, and hope you all enjoy listening to it.
1: All right, guys, Uh, welcome to a a special crossover episode of the Riddick and Reynolds Podcast and the Red and White Podcast. We've mentioned Dustin and Evan uh, and their show a few times on our show. We've playfully called it one of the greatest podcast robberies in history, (laughs) Um, but uh, happy to do a crossover show. This was their idea. Uh, Dustin and Evan, you guys pipe in, you know, let the folks know how this came about. Uh, I, I was all for it. I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to do this.
0: I think it is the greatest podcast rivalry. I,
1: I don't think it, I don't know any others. I mean, so I think this is the one. <laughs>
2: yeah, that,
1: that voice you hear is Evan and Dustin's pipe in here. Just yeah, just...
2: The idea came initially. I had thought of, uh, this grand anchorman style fight between the two <laughs> crews, but, <laughs> Uh, I figured this might just go over easier if we try and be nice. So
3: so we can't say the rivers run red with red and white's blood? <laughs> well, <laughs> you,
2: you go ahead. I like that. <laughs> just trying it's to figure also out. a good analogy for the football season.
1: So. Yes, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> man, I'm trying to figure out which uh, television crew we would be. I'm kind of leaning towards Telemundo. but uh, yeah, what
3: the, what Oh, I'm yeah. Como están, Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Got to be Ben Siller all the way, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we wanted to do a, um, a football recap show and, um, we waited, um, naturally until the, uh, uh, Belk ball and here we are. Um, it's, uh, I I don't think, uh, we all have any pleasant thoughts about the way (laughs) the football game. Um, I'm just so drying out, honestly, (laughs) Should we, should we start with the ball game itself, perhaps, and, and then lead into how that capped off the rest of the season, or vice versa? You think?
0: Sure. I thought it was a train wreck.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else have any thoughts on that one? Uh, that that's pretty succinctly sums it up. Um, the I only mean, real the only what? real chance was that bump dropped punt that obviously got called back. So yeah,
1: you can't hard. really you can't really rely on that. <laughs> And, I mean, I think when we all saw the very first play of the game be an interception deep in our own territory, Mm. uh, that definitely set the tone. That was a tone setter, as
2: it were. Yeah, I was just getting in and had just turned to walk up the stairs in the section. I wasn't even watching the game when that (laughs) happened, and I really just kind of wanted to turn around and walk out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think for me the most frustrating part was, that all year we've played better on the road, and then we've played better in games where we've had some time to prepare, and then you come out and you know guys run the wrong wrong way, Jacoby's turned the wrong way, and he's throwing the ball the wrong team, and then you're like, what in the f just happened? Yeah, like, that's not the way we you know you just looked unprepared, it looked like a high school team going out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we talked all year about how it felt like, um, and, and we'll get into <laughs> to the uh, recent change at offensive coordinator, but it felt like. <laughs> Um, you know, one of Matt Canada's strengths was his ability to kind of script the first, you know, series or two of the game. You know, we would come out uh, strong and then, you know, we would struggle later in the game to get back to what was working, it seemed like. But uh, this was, like you said, Evan, this was an instance where it just felt like from, you know, from the jump, State just did not look prepared at all. It's And that's,
0: that was the most frustrating part for me was just seeing that. You no, there's three weeks to prepare. You know the play is going to be run the first play. I mean, they yeah. probably knew this two weeks ago, and yeah. then that happens.
3: And-, and they they also knew that Manny Diaz runs a high blitzing offense. And right. the first play, they just rushed six guys, and two people didn't even get touched. Um, and that was, I mean, that's the the play call was weird to begin with, but that was the big reason is Jacoby took one step and had to just fling the
1: thing. And um, was that a blown? Uh, blitz pickup on De Quay's so, Somebody it? just didn't read it, I think.
3: Because mm-hmm. um, I well, think they were outnumbered. I think somebody like went out in the flat or something, if I recall. And then all of a sudden, two linebackers just came flying through in between like the right guard and tackle, I think. Well, whoever's yeah. in motion just completely
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> either went the wrong way or missed what he was supposed to be doing, which I'm assuming was blocking that guy come out the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Jacoby knew where he wanted to throw it. Yeah. It looked like he knew where he wanted to throw it and then didn't know what to do after, you know, he's got a
3: linebacker bearing down on him.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: I think yeah. all four of us would probably just fling the ball if that was happening too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Prescott would have thrown it for a touchdown though. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> you mean yeah, ben, Sim- ben
2: Simmons would have thrown it for a
3: touchdown
0: Yeah, too. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> God, could you imagine them on the same team? <laughs> yeah.
0: Dak yeah, was good. I'll give him credit. You know, they – they played like a well coached team and they were, you know, pretty sound. All year they've had fumble issues and when we talked to the guys from Mississippi State, you know, they said the same thing. We you know we've we have a negative turnover ratio and it's all because of fumbles, not because of Prescott. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the pouring rain, they they held on to the ball for some reason.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I kept waiting for those fumbles to show up and they just never did. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was um, a rough start and you know as the game wore on, I and mean, we got to within ten at one point in the third quarter, mm-hmm. but you know, just never sharp all day. Uh, you know, there there was the play. Um, Jacoby has looked great at times, doing it with his you know uh, hidden ball trick play, <laughs> uh, and he just held it for you know two beats too long. And by the time, you know, I'm I'm sure I, I didn't see the uh, the overall field. But, uh, you know, I imagine he probably had somebody, you know, open, but it was too late at that point. And, again, I don't know if that was somebody missing an assignment and picking up a guy or uh, uh, I'm trying to recall the play as it unfolded if maybe Mississippi State's guy just blew up the uh, block and got to him before he could get rid of it. But, you know, that's something we had seen Kobe do well throughout the the season. And he, he didn't look sharp, you know uh defensively of course we've had issues all year long but um mm-hmm. you know it's just just uh you know I, so like, i
0: think I, I think what was disappointing from the defensive side was yeah you know, their their offensive line was their weak point you know all year they've given up a ton of sacks you know everybody's complained about their offensive line and then our defensive line has been our strong point for the most part of the year other than a few big plays, you know, they've played pretty well, and then they just got manhandled.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was just – that was really disappointing too. Yeah, that's supposed to be the strength of the – probably the whole team outside of the running backs preseason, but um, – and the fact that they couldn't get really any pressure. Um, Prescott kind of – I mean, he's a very good quarterback, but he had all day. Yeah, he had all day. I mean, I'm pretty sure Dustin could have picked apart that
0: defense for <laughs> that much time.
2: How much <laughs> well, of that uh, was talent differential?
0: I I don't think so. I think our off, our defensive line is talented and yeah.
3: Like I don't know, you know their their offensive line, but I think recruiting wise and whatnot, though, their offensive line is probably fairly similar to our defensive. Now player development and whatnot, I I don't know, but um, you know, pure talent and size standpoint, I would think it would it would have been at least an even matchup.
1: Yeah, the fact that we couldn't get any pass rush with our front four. You know, I think I saw some people wanting to, you know, get a little bit more aggressive, but, you know, you start sending extra guys to get after Prescott, he would just pick you apart. So, you know, trying to throw a lot of, you know, blitzes here or there probably would have not worked out much better in our favor. He just would have had even more opportunities to throw the ball down the field. So, yeah, that that was disappointing for sure.
0: I think the whole game was disappointing and it's kind of a, summation of the season i mean it's kind of what you know i know i thought we'd do a little bit better this year um so the whole 2015 season was you know i think it was pretty disappointing you what do y'all think yeah
1: yeah I, I i don't know about pretty disappointing i i do feel disappointed coming away from it I, I felt like if we had won that game and finished you know eight and five i'd feel mu- well certainly much better than i feel right now but um, I, I don't know that I would classify it as disappointment. I'd feel like we were, you know, holding steady. Could have won a couple of, you know, games that, you know, we'll always talk about the Louisville and Virginia Tech games as games that got away from us that we probably should have won. Um, but, you know, it, it would be kind of hard to complain about 8-5 and five with a, a good win against Mississippi State. But, you know, now you, you look at, you know, the fact that Doran still hasn't won a team against a team that, you know, uh, would be considered a better team than State or even really uh, in kind of the same tier. Uh, We, You know, we beat Carolina last year, but they were struggling defensively, and Lord knows they look a lot better this year. Um, You know, we're still sitting in a spot where our our only wins in conference tend to be Wake, Boston College, and Syracuse. Um, So beating Mississippi State would have been uh, a good way to end the season uh yeah it feels disappointing now yeah I, I think
0: that's what it kind of summarized that if we had won that game you could kind of see a little bit of momentum saying all right you know we won at wake we won at bc you know beat mississippi state but losing that
1: and then losing all the other games you know I, to me that's disappointing yeah and i you know i'm kind of disappointed that it was the second year with jacoby and and i don't know that we saw a much better jacoby you know this year versus last um i you know i feel like there was uh potential there that just wasn't fully reached throughout the season and for him to you know play the way he did in that game against mississippi state in the belk bowl um I don't know, I, I wouldn't call it a, a fitting into his career because that would be kind of unfair, but um, it it maybe in some ways was kind of indicative of just kind of how up and down things have been this year, and unfortunately that was kind of a down game for him. So, um, yeah, and I think the other thing too is you look at, um, as the season ended, a lot of programs in the ACC, not a lot, but – you know, there were a few that had coaching changes, and it seemed like all the ones who made coaching changes all made upgrades. And so, you know, State's still trying to get kind of a nice win under its resume, and it's now seeing that the rest of the league is upgrading its coaching talent. And um, so things are getting that much more difficult.
0: So, yeah, the the coaches in the Coastal, I mean, it's, that's a complete 180. Yeah. And that should be... Uh, Kind of a warning sign for say they don't get it, they don't get it together, you know, that's going to be a a rough
3: patch there. Yeah, we've been we've been lucky to kind of sit through like mediocrity, but now you can easily end up at the bottom of the barrel. Um, and that may be why they're starting to make some staff changes, whether they're making them or the other coaches are leaving, but um, you can easily end up in the
1: wake, BC, Syracuse level if you don't keep up, yeah. Watching Louisville in their bowl game with Lamar Jackson, just you know, God, he's going to be a problem for State <laughs> and for the rest of the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know, and Clemson's young. Florida State's going to be you know Florida State. So for, mm-hmm. Florida State returns everybody from
3: that offense.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cool. and,
0: and I'm mean, assuming they don't go pro.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure one or two might, but still that's not bad at all. And Clemson all right. was the youngest team in the country, I think. And see that's the frustrating part for me
0: is that you look like Louisville. I was watching that Louisville game and you know, they look like a better coach team than us. They don't think they have that much more talent than us and they're playing a freshman quarterback. But you know, they went out there and played Texas A and M and
3: they played well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's the frustrating thing for me is people go, well, this team's still just young, this is still just year three. And I know there't I mean there wasn't a whole lot left. I had a conversation with somebody today like you know the, the, the roster wasn't stacked, but I mean Mike Rose was an ACC player, ThoneY, um, Burris turned out pretty well. There was some talent there and, but the team was still young, but people just used the youth as an excuse and um, you know, yeah, it's part of the reason maybe for the struggles, but you can still win with a young team.
1: Well, I was talking with somebody, you know, there's, you know, and Matt, since you're kind of a big recruiting guy, you can talk to this. You know, mm-hmm. the the upper four-star and the five-star guys are guys that can come in young and contribute immediately. Mm. You know, they're 18-year-old kids who have the, you know, bodies of 25-year-olds. It's mm. disturbing almost to yeah. uh, see what <laughs> the hormones can do to kids these days um but you know the guys that the, the majority of college football programs are stocking their rosters with you know probably do need to be seasoned a little bit so um you know I, I think it's tougher for a state uh you know and other programs in the acc that aren't florida state and clemson to bring in youth and have a you know contribute right away it you know it needs a little bit more time to develop and so um so, you know, yes it it's tough it's tough when you see you know programs with youth you know ha- see them perform at a high level but i think we do have to also consider that the youth that the Clemson's and the florida states of the world are bringing in is not the same as what the rest of the college football world is bringing in
0: that's true but the youth at louisville You know, it's got to be similar to us. There's other schools that are that are winning with with players and young teams. Mm -hmm. When you're when you're NC State and you're recruiting three stars, occasional four stars, some two stars, you know, not the highest level guys. You've got to win with better coaching and better schemes. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. what a seven and six season is showing me. It's it was kind of the same as last year. They didn't really learn
3: anything. They're they're winning with their recruiting rankings are if that I know it's kind of phrase funny but they're beating the teams that they're naturally better than and they're never right. beating they literally have not beaten a team that is quote better than them um and that's where the worry is um you know you can't fault Dorn for winning the games he's supposed to win that's something that O'Brien didn't do very well so uh, you know I'll, I'll absolutely give him that credit but at some point you gotta out coach somebody um and it doesn't really seem like maybe that's happened yet and I think that's the concern um you know UNC last year you know the teams were pretty even and obviously that game was completely one-sided um and then it flipped again this year so that'd be the one time where maybe you could say he thoroughly they thoroughly outcoached somebody and that was a big difference in the win um but outside of that I think that's the concerning part and you know maybe recruits are starting to see that if you don't start winning you won't be able to even out recruit the lower um you know the lower teams. It's what it sort of comes down to. If you look at, to me, I always look at a school like Baylor, who for
0: most of the 2000s was terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, 1990s to 2000s, they were awful. They were yeah. they were winless many times. And then Art Browse comes in, they start running a spread, kind of a unique spread. They're recruiting, you know, faster guys that kind of fit that system. He scores a lot of points, beats a few, you know, a few big teams, or makes it exciting. And now he's got a top ten program. That's just rolling. Yeah. And I think NC State could be Baylor or TCU or something. Like that. Maybe the Texas talent's better, but the point is that they're winning with better coaching and better schemes, and I think that's that
1: was what I was missing this season. Yeah. I mean, definitely Texas talent is, is better, and, you, and it's kind of like Florida. You know, you can – as Chuck Amato tried to do you know, here at NC State, you could go into Florida and get some of the kids that the Miamis and the Floridas and the Florida States weren't getting or were kind of backup offers to those kids and bring them in, and, and you could win with some of those guys. But, yeah, I mean, your point's right. You know, when It's hard to be upwardly mobile in college football if you're only beating the teams that you are on talent or on paper should beat and losing to the teams on paper that you should lose to because – you know, you're you're not elevating yourself in the world any higher than where you are on paper, uh, and and Evan, you're right. The the art you know the art brows of the world, the ones who are doing it with lesser talent, using coaching as a, a way to you know swing the balance in their favor. So,
3: and, well, and the in the kind of the Texas point about Baylor being in Texas, they're they're outperforming Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech. So they're all you can really do to get to that next level is to outperform the people nearest you and then move from there. And that's, that's kind of how they've done it. So that's what really, I guess the difference will be beating North Carolina, Wake Forest, Duke, and then, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech winning all the kids in those area. Um, and that's going to be kind of the next step. And then you can, you know, get the Florida and the Georgia kids maybe.
2: I think yeah. It, it, you go ahead, Dawson. It's, it's two years in a row that we've lost to the Florida state games stick out in my mind. We should have had them two years in a row and Mm -hmm. either one of those games would have done huge things for the program. Right. And I think he can coach because we were in the position that we were in both those games, but there's like a switch that gets flipped second Mm -hmm. quarter every time. And we just lose every bit of momentum slash game plan slash everything that we had going. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand what that problem is.
0: And that's to me, that's coaching. It's, there's something in there that they're not either adjusting to. So, you know, Florida State is a perfect example last year up uh, was it thirty five seven on Florida State at halftime. And then, you know, FSU goes into the the locker room, they come out and Jimbo Fisher's good at adjusting at halftime. They come out and they just cleaned our clock. I mean, it was they just they found the weak points, they picked on it, and we didn't do anything to adjust. We was like, All right, we'll keep doing what we're doing and that didn't work. And that was you know, that's what we've seen that a few times.
2: Same thing this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Winning there. Nonetheless, that would be yeah. huge to get a win
0: there. Oh
4: yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't it's, understand. So, so how much <laughs> of that is
0: in y'all's mind, the coordinators, how much of it is Dorn on Dorn?
3: I, I, I use this maybe too much, but in the end it's on Dorn. Cause he's the one that picks the coordinators, sets the philosophies. And they're the ones that kind of run these plays. Um, I, I he kind of, I mean, you know, it's the manager's always in charge of the people below him and is responsible for their reaction, you know, their actions, I guess. Um, so, obviously, he takes a big share of it. I, the, and the whole thing with Canada is that, you know, the numbers looked okay at the end of the season, but it was more game management situations. Um, continuing to, like we like you just said a minute ago, you know, let's keep doing the same thing. Yeah, maybe the sweet play worked once or twice, but you keep working it against these really good teams and they're just going to snuff it out every time. Um, It it seemed like they kind of ran out of their bag of tricks pretty early on and then just kind of ran the same old game plan. So I I think in the end, it it has to be on Dorn because he's in charge, but the coordinators are obviously, you know, they have to pick the individual plays. It's got to be pretty even in the end. It all seemed to me that
0: you know, Doran is, wants to be kind of a manager, kind of a hands-off during the games. Mm-hmm. And I think with the assistance he had that's kind of backfired or has, I think that kind of is backfiring on him.
1: Do right. Do you feel like he had enough experience as a head coach coming into this gig? Did he maybe make this leap up to the Power Five uh, without enough, you know, I mean, he knows football and he knows, you know, I guess, how to be a, a coordinator. But, you know, becoming a CEO of a Power 5 program, um, I'm sure, carries with it certain other challenges like managing your coordinators at a level that um, maybe he wasn't prepared for.
2: Uh, Dustin, do you want to take that? I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I think he took a hands-off approach and... Offensively like like Matt said, the numbers ended up okay. And I'm I kinda look at that more as, you know, we scored, but I think he may have made hires that he shouldn't have had or shouldn't have made, but I think he might have stuck with them too long. And I don't or think Or given them too much autonomy. To, yeah. That I think mm-hmm. if you see the defense is struggling and you have a defensive background then step in and kind of take over the defense if you need to. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think we all thought that was happening last year when – Yeah,
3: when they
2: they turned turned the switch for
0: like five games. (laughs) Yeah, they moved Huxwell up to the box, and you're thinking, all right, well, Huxwell's in the box. I don't know any defensive coordinators are up in the box (laughs) other than him. And so you're thinking, Dave Dorn's running this defense. And, hey, look, they they won the last six games or five last six games, and the defense was a big part of that. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, I do think there's a, going back to James's question, I think there's a bit of learning on the job. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because I, I think he's a good guy. I think he's the right guy. And like you all said, I think some of the assistants, he's kind of stuck with them a little too long. And, you know, the, you know, the Matt Cannon thing, you know, can bring it up. You know, he
1: let, fired Matt Cannon today or yesterday. Well, maybe this is a good spot to take a break and – hear a word from our sponsors and we'll come back and talk about some coaching changes in the program and where we go from here.
2: If there's one thing state fans do well, it's tailgate. And I know for me the most important part of a tailgate is a well-packed cooler. You have to ask yourself two questions. How clean is your cooler and how cold are your drinks? Nobody wants to reach into a dirty cooler and grab a warm beer. Now, I've put rock salt in my coolers for years to try and chill beverages a little bit quicker, but a lot of times I'll either use too little or too much, and I'll have a can filled with slush. I'm also guilty of being a little bit lazy when it comes to cleaning the cooler after I'm finished with it. Then I found Frostbite Cooler Salt. This isn't just salt. It's salt combined with safe and organic ingredients that clean your cooler while it's getting your beer super cold. The really cool part is that it doesn't just clean your cooler, but it cleans everything that goes into it. So when you pull that beer out, it's not just going to be super cold, but the can itself is actually going to be germ-free. And it comes conveniently packaged with the perfect amount to sprinkle over 20 pounds of ice. You can find it in a growing number of stores in the Raleigh area, as well as online if you're outside the Triangle. So check out CoolerSalt.com. That's C-O-O-L-E-R-Salt.com to find the closest location to you and see how you can have a clean and cold cooler every time. Frostbite Cooler Salt. Colder, faster, cleaner.
1: All right, uh, so let's uh, talk about the aforementioned coaching change. Um, Word came down yesterday pretty late. It was, I think, around midnight. Yeah last night that um, Matt Canada had been let go. And uh, I think today we saw that uh, the offensive line coach, Mike Rimovich might be leaving for Northern Illinois um, to become their offensive coordinator, which I guess is where he coached at with Can- uh, Dorn uh, while he was there. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So he's returning back to a familiar spot. So, State's now down its coordinator and also one of its position coaches. So, um, I guess let's talk about the move. Do you think this was a Dorn move or was this a Debbie Yow move?
0: I th- I think there was a Dorn move. There's been a lot of rumors of friction between Dor- uh, Dorn and Canada and Canada and some other people. So I think there was something there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was a I think it's more of a door move. I think he realized while the offense was probably pretty good this year in some in some aspects, I think they believe it underperformed, especially in games where it mattered. So Louisville, Virginia Tech scoring thirteen points, you know, coming out slow in some of these other games. I think that's you know, part of it. And then the other part I think was Jacoby didn't take a huge step forward this year. I think he kind of you know, everybody was expecting a little bit more out of him and I don't I think he got it, I think that comes down. to – Oh, that's on Canada. Yeah, yeah, he's the quarterbacks coach too. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I think I agree with that, and also the telling comment maybe after the bowl game about we you know we couldn't really get Jalen the ball. Um, yeah, I think that was maybe a hint hint of like, <laughs> hey, it really wasn't my call to not use him. <laughs> um, I don't really know what we were doing to not get him the ball. But that's kind of how I read into it a little bit.
1: All right, I w- I want to touch on that because that that comment struck a nerve with me a little bit all right you're you're the head coach um and maybe this speaks to evan's point about there being some off-field friction with the two of them but you know you're you're the head coach i mean if you feel like jalen's not getting enough touches you have the authority as the head coach to call up to mr canada and say get him the ball uh right we, we need to, you know, he's one of our best weapons, especially that, you know, Gillespie was out. We need to get him, you know, going. Um, I, I thought that was, I don't know, I guess flash forward to where we're at now. Maybe it makes a little bit more sense why that comment was made. But it, it did seem very odd to me that you as a head coach would say, we just couldn't get in the ball. Like, as if your authority with <laughs> him has a stopping point somewhere. Right.
3: He sounds like he sounds like a fan at a bar. Oh man, we really could just couldn't get him <laughs> going today. You know, that's what that kind of reminded me of. Of like, um, well, you kind of had some say in that <laughs> in some form or fashion. I, I don't know if he was alluding to, and I don't want to give him a,
0: an out because I, I do agree with you guys. I thought it was a little strange, and you know, coach has got to step in there. Uh, but I don't know if he was alluding to Mississippi State focusing on Jalen Samuels and then just not being able to get him open or get you know get it run what they were trying to do for him. There might be a little bit of that in that comment, but I think yeah. probably more of it. You know, it's some of us can't help being a little, a little bit snarky, and I think that might have a little Tom O'Brien sub-snark to it there. <laughs> Sniffs. <laughs> yeah. So, I, to me, I, I agree. The coach has got to step in. The coach has got to say, "Hey, you know, this this scheme's not working. Do something else, or do this." Right? I mean, he's got to know football well enough to. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wasn't Jalen's first touch pretty much just a flea flicker back to Jacoby? And yeah. then he touched the ball for, like, another quarter <laughs> or something like that? Yeah,
0: he touched it three times and scored two touchdowns. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so uh, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe use it more.
0: Um, <laughs> so, so this is kind of what I, I was – when that happened last night, what I kind of do is I typically go to Reddit and see what they're saying, and you know, see what the other teams' fans are saying. I know what our fans are going to say, but you know, University of Wisconsin fans, where Canada was, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of all the comments are about the same. So that we're not surprised. He's you know, a smart play caller, but he's also a master of outsmarting himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was kind of an example. He always tried to do you know, trickerations and. Weird formations and things that just weren't, didn't work. He was trying to be the smartest guy in the stadium when, you know, if you have a finely tuned team, that might work. Yeah. But you got to work with what you have. And uh, yeah. I don't think he w- was doing that. And I think that's kind of where the, the fit problem was.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I joked, uh, I know I did during the game, but I think I had before other times about. You know, if if everybody expects us to utilize Jalen Samuels, then, you know, by God, they'll never see us not going to Jalen <laughs> um, You know. They'd have to be stupid not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be our decoy the entire game.
0: Yeah. So, you, you know, you, you say that, and then my what I always come back to is look at schools like ECU or schools like Houston or, you know, maybe not Baylor because they have a lot of talent now, but. Look at what they're doing offensively with theoretically lesser talent. You know, ECU's recruiting two-star non-qualifiers, and they hung seventy on on Carolina last year. Or
4: mm-hmm.
0: you know, this the, the numbers they put up in general when they had Lincoln Riley. When you have a good offensive coordinator, you can do these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, and that, to me, that's what we were missing. That's thing. You know, that's especially in those in those close games, the games that we really needed to win: Carolina, Louisville, Virginia Tech.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I meant to ask this in the first segment, but um, do you think the loss of Shad and Days maybe you know impacted us in ways that we wouldn't normally think? Not just offensively, but perhaps you know defensively, and not being able to sustain drives.
2: Absolutely, yes, across the board.
1: Yeah, it it, it, it makes a Steve. difference.
0: So, so let me ask you this: How much of of a pass do you guys give him for this season? Based on losing your two best running backs,
3: I mean he gets a little bit for that, but you know every it's football, so every team you know has usually has devastating injuries somewhere. Um, yeah. And state was fortunate enough to have someone like Gillaspie. and I mean Nichols isn't a, doesn't set the world on fire, but he's not half bad. You got Hines and Same moves you can plug in there, so it's kind of a double edged sword there because he did a good job building the roster with guys like that, but. Um, You know, everyone has injuries, and it it counts for something. I mean, obviously, you know, if you have Shad and Days, those last few games, things are going to look a lot better, um, barring something miraculously terrible happening. Um, But they also lost games when they had them. Um, Not many people have a first string back as good as Matt Days, and we had one second. You know, he was second string coming in, theoretically, and, um, you know, during Louisville-Virginia Tech, games like that and they still couldn't win those you win two of those games and you lose you still lose the games that we lost at the end of the season with without days you know then the season does really doesn't look that bad so it, it it's kind of hard to measure but he does get a little bit of leeway with it I guess
1: yeah I, I think it actually you know impacts the way I view the defensive coordinatorship with Huxtable if anything just in you know I, I, I try to imagine how the defense would have looked if it didn't seem so gassed at points in the game. You know, I, I don't know how much you can theoretically say. Well, we would have extended this drive or this drive, or maybe we wouldn't have had as, as many three and outs, and therefore would the defense have had more legs later in games. But at the same time, you know, there were times where our defense was just way out of position, and that doesn't have anything to do with being exhausted. It just means they were out of position, mm-hmm. so you know I. It's I think I I after talking myself in circles about it <laughs> I, I think you know I probably came to the conclusion that maybe we win one of the two Louisville or Virginia Tech games, and you know eight and eight and what well, what would that be? They have eight and five um, mm-hmm. even if we would lost the Mississippi State game. I mean it's a uh, you know. Uh, gosh if we if we'd won that virginia tech game in blacksburg um that would be a nice win to have finally under doran's belt and maybe the season does feel a little bit better or maybe that we had taken a small step forward or at least kept even with where we were headed um versus what feels like a step back now so uh, i
0: think that was key and you know, we were just talking about Jalen Samuels not getting the ball in the ball game. I think it was the Virginia Tech game where Matt Days didn't get the ball hardly
3: at all. And you're like, why are you not? Yeah, that was, that was very strange. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I, I know that was the case in the Louisville game. I, I remember vividly wondering why we were not running the football more against Louisville because, you know, Jacoby was having a poor day passing the ball. And it seemed like, and I know that Days had had at least one huge run for a score, I think, or maybe it was Samuels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I was sitting there in the rain with my son like son I don't know why they're not just running <laughs> football um, I had no answers um so yeah I, Matt you're right you know even with days in the Louisville and Virginia Tech game we still lost those two games so um, maybe maybe having shad and days the whole season makes a difference maybe we steal another one along the way somewhere but um, yeah, you can't really attribute the Louisville and Virginia Tech games. to not having that days because we did so
0: uh, You're bringing up somebody brought up defense and I know Huxtable is on everybody's radar because they feel like the defense hasn't defense hasn't performed and I, I tend to agree They're ranked higher than our offense was in most defensive categories If you're you know if you go compare apples to apples mm-hmm. And for the most part, other than some big plays, they didn't play too bad. You know, we didn't get a whole lot of turnovers and, you know, some stops where Riley Nicholson pushes Marquise out of bounds or whatever and gets a flag and that changes that whole game. And, you know, this is just a couple of those plays where there may be young mistakes or whatnot, but I don't think they were too awful. I don't think our scheme's great, so that's on Huxtable, but, you know, I feel a little bit better that, the offense is going to make some changes because I, I, I really feel strongly that we need to go into a spread type offense.
1: Mm-hmm. So I guess a good question for the group would be, or if you could have picked, and I guess Evan, we already know your answer, but uh, if you could have picked the two coordinators, which of the two would you have replaced? If you had your druthers, you would have picked Canada and, and got your wish. Um, I, I might have gone – I guess I would have gone with Huxtable, but, um, you know, I hadn't looked at the numbers like you did. And, and, yeah, I was actually a little surprised to hear you say that they favored the defense as far as, you know, against the averages versus our offense. Um, I would have guessed otherwise. And maybe that's just because I have, you know, PTSD from some of those huge plays <sighs> during the year. Matt, what would you say? Would you have replaced Huxtable or Canada?
3: Oh, it's been tough for me uh, to figure out. I, I don't I'm not a fan of dumping both coordinators unless you're in like Mike London situation was this year or something. Um, where you're just like, all right, let's just do drastic, drastic measures. Um, I guess in hindsight, I'm probably okay with Canada, um, knowing, you know, kind of Evan alluded to there may have been some discord there. Um, and just the the general, the big time, you know, when you need a big play, it just seemed like I couldn't really get any of those. Whereas I think defense is a little easier to make adjustments as a coordinator philosophy-wise. Um, I think, you know, Doran and Huxtable, especially with Doran's you know, quote, expertise in the defensive side, you know, maybe they can sit down and come to some kind of working agreement or, hey, let's change their philosophy a little bit. Um, whereas offense, people tend to be a little more stubborn, stuck in their ways. Um, and, and so I, I think I'm okay with this one, with Canada, just because I think – you know things can change a little more dramatically than maybe the defense would. Uh, I think defense is a little bit more athletes and base scheme more than individual play calls. And I think, I think if you have somebody calling some different plays, maybe it can change things up a little bit. Uh, maybe you know the defense isn't you know just trying to to keep you in it, and they can actually play a little more aggressively and less scared. So I guess I'd go with Canada.
1: Yeah, Dustin,
2: I would go Huxtable. Hmm. Um. You know, we talked about did the did losing the two running backs have uh, an effect on the defense, and you brought up, well, yeah, we had might have had some three and outs where they were on the field longer and got tired, but if I look at, let's say, the Carolina game, the defense single-handedly lost us that game. They yeah. weren't tired. It was a rival, so they should have been up, and all of a sudden it's 35 to nothing, I think it was? <laughs> yeah. Like, just like that, and – if you that that's the last game of the season your scheme should be sound enough you know what carolina's going to do i mean there was no reason for that and it's this it had been the same thing all year the secondary was just dreadful and there was no improvement i i just it just wasn't there for me it was the same way this whole season was like the first half of last season And somehow, schematically, we changed our philosophy last year to end the year, and that just went away, and we never chose to do that again this season with a better line, I think. Mm -hmm. I think there's big problems there. I think with a better defense, we win a game that we didn't win this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, VT, especially. Yeah, that was a team that
3: struggled uh, pretty mightily against everyone else. Had we had 35 their season points around? or
2: something. Yeah. 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 We're a slump buster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I think, I don't know. I think we had enough, we scored enough points to win that game. I or I think that there was such a collapse. It was the Carolina game, the Florida state game where they just came back and did whatever they wanted on us in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huxable a hundred percent.
0: I think, you know, I I understand Dustin's point for sure. You know, because I, but I, for me personally, I feel a little more comfortable not ha- or keeping Hustle if Doran is going to step in and say, "Hey, I need to have some influence on this defense. We need to change things up." I don't think he's apt to do that with an offensive guy because maybe he's not, you know, offensive minded or whatever. I think coaches get kind of get pegged into those those holes, but maybe that's part of why I feel comfortable. You know. All right, Huxtable, Yeah, you know. If Doran can impart something on that, then maybe we're a little bit better off.
2: I tweeted that exact thing out this morning that nah. I figured no change on the defensive side meant Doran was going to have a bigger hand in it. I think he's got to.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think it's. I think I saw this morning that Huxable's contract has expired or it's up. It, 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 it his, will
3: after this year, yeah. Yeah,
0: so I think it's sometime this summer is when his contract needs to be renewed by.
1: Oh is, yeah, is it expired this season or at the end of 2016? I, I think it's at the end of
3: 2016. I was oh. un, was the impression I was under.
0: Okay, I thought it was the end of 2015.
3: Okay. That would just be too easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, we can just make a change and we don't have to fire anybody. But
1: you, you know, but full of rough and McNeil on him and just yank the offer. <laughs> is, <it's, laughs> yeah, I, I think Dorn has made he,
0: he's you know firing Canada, but he's also fired McNaught, and fired um, – who was the other one?
3: Well, well, there was a reasoning for the McNaught one. Right, that's, right. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. But then
0: the, then um, the other
3: one. Who's the other? Did, uh, um, Bar- Fris- uh, Barlow. Frisman Jackson. Oh, yeah, Frisman Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Barlow came in for McNutt, and then Jackson went out, and then McDonald came in for that. I think those are the only two other ones that we've had any turnover. Yeah,
0: so we have lost those two. Yuromovich leaves.
3: And it sounds like Faulkner may be leaving too. Yeah, I just saw that. But that's – Falker but you my, can't
0: do anything about that. <laughs> yeah, the guys are going up. That's fine. That means you have good assistance,
3: Right. But Dorn
0: has showed the ability to say, hey, you, you guys aren't working, whether it's you know, personal things or some other stuff, whatever. He's made the changes, so I, I really like that about him. And I mm-hmm. really like Dorn. I'm, I'm pulling for him.
2: Mm. Well, this OC hire is going to determine his job. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. You're going to pull the trigger – you know, strike one is hiring a guy that deserves to be fired. Apparently, strike two is waiting longer than you should. So he's yeah. got the keys. He's got to he's got to make the right call.
3: And, and I think he's actually that with the OC position. I think there is some attractiveness to that position these upcoming years. I mean, yeah, McClendon's only going to be a sophomore, but if he doesn't work, you got Myers. Um, you know, but McClendon's got a gun of an arm. Um, you got Samuels. You got Hines. You got Frazier, Gillespie, Days, obviously. You know, somebody that can, you know, we're talking about spread, you know, a little quick strike kind of um, coordinator may actually be really attracted to the situation. I think we have a lot of little fast guys. And so, you
0: know, that spread with Sessoms and Hines and everybody else, I think that's, you know, it is an attractive job. I think it should be. And we have the money to pay. I think that we're paying high end offensive coordinator salary.
3: I think Canada was 500 k and if he gets a job that makes less, then we only have to pay him the difference and things like that. So I think the money's there.
1: Well, the Niners just fired Jim Tomasula, so maybe we can get Steve Logan... <laughs> Oh god! Yeah, um, <laughs> except he
3: hates recruiting, so that's and he doesn't like NC State, a...
1: so let's just <laughs> stop talking about Steve Logan. He
3: he did like them, and he did like them enough to at least go to our medias every Monday for a full season. Yeah, so. he
1: put up we... some asshole with a podcast. <laughs> oh, that's right.
3: <laughs> so I, I guess he doesn't have a deep down like you know every fiber of my being hates state thing going on. So he
1: he we'll likes state enough to get free food and wine. Plus,
3: keep yeah. I was gonna say money talks, so <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Uh, so so
0: let me ask y'all a question. I keep talking myself in circles about the whole football program in general. It's like I think I we all
3: are to be fair.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Doran inherited a just complete dumpster fire. I mean I don't think there's anybody left from the twenty twelve class. And there's like
3: five kids left or something like that. Yeah. And they're all backups for the most part.
0: And he's shown a little bit of progress. I like him. But at the same time, there's some frustrating things about it. So, I mean, how do y'all feel
1: about it? How do you feel about the program in general? Um, I, I'm, I'm adamantly against making a coaching head coaching change at this point. I mean, I, I'm a pretty staunch give a guy five years type. Yeah, guy. I mean, I, I'm I, fine with that too. <laughs> I mean, I, and we'll know by year five where we stand. I don't think it'll be any doubt at that point. Um. If we're still, even if we're still middling around with seven wins, you know, with four of them coming against, you know, scrub out of conference teams, which doesn't look like it's going to be the case looking at some of the upcoming schedules. But, (laughs) um, you know, if if we're still, you know, eking in the bowl games in year five, I don't think Debbie's going to have any hesitation making a change. Um, And, you know, I, I think Dustin's right. I mean, this. Coaching hire, this offensive coordinator coaching hire is really going to define the rest of the uh, Dave Dorn era. And if he hits a home run with a great guy who comes in and brings in a scheme that works, and we're suddenly, you know, putting up oodles of points, then I think, you know, things will be right back to fine and dandy. Um, And you're right evan i mean we we were we're i think we're still trying to dig ourselves out of the last few you know inches of that hole that uh tom o'brien kind of left us in from a talent standpoint and you know i think like i mentioned you know we're we're a young team but we're a young team with kids who need time to develop so you know we're not going to be bringing in kids who can contribute right away we're probably going to have in order to be successful, we're going to need a roster a two deep that has juniors and seniors on it versus freshmen and sophomores. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I I still am, you know, in Doran's camp. You know, I'm, I'm eager to see what this offensive coordinator hire looks like. Um, I probably will try to gauge based on the fan base of wherever this guy comes from. You know, if they say, oh, shit, we can't believe we lost him to – you know it scrubby old NC state, then I'm gonna feel pretty good about things and, and if <laughs> if it turns out like um, you know Wisconsin fans saying, "Oh, good luck with Canada <laughs> uh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> then,
3: yeah, I had a coworker that said that he said he went to Wisconsin and he was like, "Oh, you'll have a uh, you'll have fun with that one I was like okay. that was <laughs> that was and they backtracked a little and tried to you know play it up for me but it was, yeah, that was my first, hmm, I wonder. Because, you know, they came in with this whole, let's do a blend of Wisconsin and Oregon. And sure, that sounds great. I mean, like we were mentioning Baylor earlier. Sure, I'd love to be Baylor right now. Um, but, you know, when, when you hear it from the actual fan base, the people that have watched the play calling for three, four years, you're, you're kind of like, hmm, okay, maybe there's some, <laughs> there's a uh, peg back to reality there.
1: And I kind of hate it when, like, smug assholes like that get proven right, but, you know, right. sometimes there's more truth in it, you know, from somebody who's lived it rather than, you know, like, when you hire a guy, you want to just see all the positives and all the optimistic things that this person can do. Mm-hmm. You're not looking too much at some of the weaker areas. So, so let me rephrase my
0: question because I okay. think we're all reasonable, and I think we're, you know, unless Dustin's hammered, I think we're all reasonable in that <laughs> five years. <laughs> we you know, we give Dorn five years because that's what you need for a football program. You know, Dustin and I have talked about it ad nauseum that
2: seventeen's it.
0: It takes a long time to turn a football program around.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: but at the same time, <clears throat> I guess my question is, do you feel that in five years, Dorn is going to have made enough progress? Is is making now enough progress to the, mm-hmm. be that by that point will be so still the right guy to lead our football program? That's mm-hmm. all. My, that's what I'm trying.
3: I guess if you asked me after year year one was a completely clean slate. If you had asked me after that, if we made, um, you know, Tampa Bay Bowl or St. Peter Bitcoin, whatever the heck it's called now, um, that in the Belk Bowl, I'd be pretty happy. Um, in hindsight, looking at beating only the terrible teams, I guess because we're state, we're used to, you know, surprising some teams, I guess I'd be a little disappointed. I I, I think we're on par with what we realistically probably should have, expected three years in um but like dustin just mentioned again 17 is the year um right if we're still winning six and seven games in two years then i think or you know you know if he goes and wins nine or ten next year and then six the next year whatever that's that's fine but if we win seven and seven again i think it's pretty uh pretty fair to see what other options there at least may be maybe not necessarily get rid of them but at least look at those options i I, 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 th- I think we'll be okay
2: I mean, step back and look, and he's not had a quarterback that he's recruited out of high school and developed at all. Start a game, mm-hmm. he's had transfers. He's had a patchwork team. So, I guess my thing is, if you can take, if you can patch a bowl team together, then you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Now, can you build your team from scratch from you know incoming freshmen on up? And we just don't know that yet. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think there's a good chance if Jalen comes in and plays like I, he should, then great. But if he has just shows no growth from high school, then I don't know that 17 even matters. I mean, he's yeah. going to play like a freshman, but he's got to be a good freshman next year. So, mm-hmm.
0: so here's my point on that. Why the hell didn't Jalen McClendon
3: get really any meaningful snaps this year?
1: Fair question.
3: Yeah, I, I think it goes to the loyalty thing with Doran. I mean, Jacoby has been his guy since, and he said it. The day that Jacoby signed and was coming in, he was like this. He even said it while Brandon Mitchell was still quarterback. He was like, this is his team. Anyone else that wants to be quarterback can pretty much, you know, get get the hell out of here, um, <laughs> almost in the way. And I think it was just he really, really, really loves Jacoby and doesn't want it to be like a Mar- Marquise williams Trubisky situation that they had going on last year where it's like, People are doubting. Hey, is this just to get the guy warmed up, or is there a question? Um, especially with you know, state's fan base having a rap for fair or not having a rap for being quick to pull the trigger on these things. I, I, I really think that's part of it. It would have been nice. Um, there were a couple games that you know we were up two touchdowns with, you know, right. you know a minute left, and it's like just at least let him get some handoffs, maybe make a two-yard pass or something. But um, yeah. he said it
0: so many times that yeah, you're exactly right. He said Jacoby's my guy. Now all he's got to say is, "Hey, we want to get Jalen some snaps. Let's get him in this game, third quarter, second quarter, somewhere
3: and get him, get him some throwing. Yeah, he even gets in the game and hands it off. Even if it's against Eastern Kentucky, at least it's right. in the flow of the game yeah, where it's like, kids. hey, he actually needs to to throw a pass because I mean anyone except for Manny Stalker apparently can turn around and hand the ball off. Um, <laughs> if you remember that one, um, oh, of course." Yeah, you know, just, you just let him throw one slant pass and hand the ball off two times in the in the flow of a game. It would have been nice, but yeah. it, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. but it is scary not knowing how McLennan's going to handle a game situation next year, because we know he's got a great arm. We know he's got a good build. We know he can move relatively well, maybe not quite as well as Jacoby, but um, it would have been nice to see what does he do when the lights are actually on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always get kind of disappointed. And I I understand that you're not trying to show another team up, but in those situations where you are up big late and you have an opportunity to bring a guy in, I I still want to see, okay, let this kid throw some. I mean, it doesn't – maybe you don't take home run shots, but at least – Yeah,
3: let him throw an out route.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let let him, you know, stand in the pocket against uh, an oncoming rush that's trying to keep him from scoring on him and, you know, see what he can do. And, uh, and I
3: think at that level, um, there's an understanding with the coaches of, hey, these are all the backups they're throwing. So they're not they're not putting right. Jacoby and Matt Days in here and trying to run up the score. They're just trying to get their guys better. And all, I think all the coaches can respect that.
0: Yeah. Maybe I've just burned from the Chuck Amato years when <laughs> Jay, Jay Davis. Davis took over. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't play at all. We by thinking this guy's going to be the next Philip Rivers. And then you're like, holy cow, he's terrible.
1: Yeah. yeah. He was a and, four-star kid out of Florida. Urban. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and nobody, you know, we never saw him, and I, I think if you get him in the game, you kind of identify that a little bit, but yeah, right.
3: yeah, not every kid can be Russell where they just come in and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this kid's ready to go <laughs> out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah, and there's not a whole
0: lot of them, but there are guys that you know get in there and get to play. Yeah, th- there's guys that are better
3: players than practicers and vice versa.
1: Yeah, no, I just we wanna, don't know
0: was, that now. <laughs> yeah, I was really kind of befuddled why he didn't get any. Meaningful snaps this year, given hmm. the situation, even the bowl game, we're getting slaughtered. Jacoby's getting beat, beat the hell <laughs> the yeah. whole game. Just put him in there, let him get some some throws in or something, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, even if you know, if you're looking at a coach saying, "Well, I need to be loyal to my guy." One sign of loyalty is not letting him get beat as you know right. beat to death uh, when you're up big or or when the result is no longer in doubt. You know, don't let your don't let Jacoby stand back there and keep getting pounded, you know. Not that you want Jalen getting pounded, but I mean at at least you're, you know, taking him out and avoiding a catastrophic ankle injury or something that could have really put you in a pinch when you realize that your backup hadn't gotten any steps to that point in the season. So Yeah. Um we're running right at about an hour, so maybe we should wrap this up. But I did want to ask you guys about looking forward to twenty sixteen, I pulled up the schedule here. You know, we got bagged pretty bad this year for playing four crap teams. Uh, <laughs> but next year we, we face uh, off against East Carolina and Notre Dame as part of the non-conference schedule. Um, we open up with William and & Mary, and then we got ECU in Dowdy-Ficklin. Should be a party there. And <laughs> Old Dominion. Take protection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you may want to get vaccinated yes, after you leave. <laughs> um, So, uh, you know, seeing that there's a little bit of an upgrade uh, in the, you know, schedule strength this year or in 2016, do you think we're going to see this team, you know, be able to post seven wins? Or maybe the question should be if this team posts seven wins next year against that schedule versus this year's schedule, do you feel like we're still trending upwards or is seven wins no matter what still kind of holding pat?
3: I think seven wins next year would be pretty good. Uh, I, I don't think I'd have too many complaints. I mean, obviously, you know, it depends on how the season plays out. You know, who do we be? Who do we, you know, lose? Um, but honestly, looking at that schedule without the cupcakes, that'll be, if we win seven games, I think that might actually, without, you know, having Jacoby and having a lot of young players still, I think that would actually be a pretty decent season. I, I don't think I'd be upset with the win total. At least seven and five regular season, I don't.
1: After that, it's hard to judge. But I guess it'd be worth noting that when we face East Carolina, that'll be just the second game of the Scotty Montgomery era there in uh, ECU. So mm-hmm. they'll most likely still be trying to find their sea legs unless Scotty Montgomery just completely <laughs> turns ECU into a right. overnight. So, I mean, I would think we would be favored in that game. Um, so I guess, you know, looking at that, maybe Notre Dame is the only game on the non conference schedule, that we wouldn't be favored to win. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, I don't know. Mer- William and Mary and Old Dominion may not be uh, pushovers. Um, Lord yeah. knows, it seems like every team up on the Eastern Sea or <laughs> the Atlantic Seaboard is starting to get better these days.
0: We should be able yeah. to just run the ball against those teams with the guys we have. Yeah. <laughs> assuming everybody's healthy and the offensive line isn't horrible. Mm. You know, the, the game that concerns me is. Of course, we get Miami coming to Raleigh next year to start the Mark Rick there.
3: You know that's that's going to be a tough one. I
0: think.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they played, played great, great down people. the stretch this year. Yeah,
3: yeah, and and they have they have talent that's getting used. They yeah. just yeah. didn't have anybody that could really manage their, their program. That's what that's what I'm thinking. If we get four four conference wins next year against the schedule that's coming in, that's that'd be pretty impressive. Right. Yeah. We go to Syracuse, Carolina, Louisville, and Clemson.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Syracuse is going to be very good, but Dino Babers is a hell of a coach, so. Yeah, it's be... kind of a scary, scary yeah. game. That's not kind of going to be an easy one, depending on, if, you know, if they're on their seventh string quarterback still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've had the worst injury luck of any program I've seen in a while. So, I, next year's going to be tough. Oh. I, I just I don't have a great feeling.
2: Seven wins is a success. Yeah. yeah. Because we're going to lose to Notre Dame. So that would be picking up a conference game compared to this year, and I think that's, that would be great. I mean, just fantastic. So,
1: yeah. Uh, and I guess we would be remiss if we had asked for questions from folks and didn't answer the ones that we actually got. <laughs> um, uh, Turbo Pack Thirty Three did ask us about thoughts on our O line next year. Um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at, you know, depth chart. Maybe Matt, you're a good one to ask on this. I always mm-hmm. turn to personnel questions to you because <laughs> yeah, the folks who are coming in. Uh, he asked if Adams might be moved to center, and who would play, you know, left tackle? Would it be Mcgirt, Richardson, Jones?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think. Actually, I was thinking about that the other day. I think I think Adams will be moved to center. Um, I think he's got the experience and the ability to do that. Um, it, I think if, looking at Joe Giglio's depth chart, he's usually pretty good at that. He yeah. surprisingly had um, Aaron Wiltz as I think left or right tackle. He's, he's a redshirt freshman. Um, and then McGirt at the other one, I think. So those would be two registered freshmen at tackle. I don't think Wiltz will start, at least if you ask me. I think McGirt may, whether or not he starts off the season that way, but I, I think he'll end up being a starting tackle at some point next season. And then probably Richardson and maybe Tyler Jones inside, or either him or Teron Prescott would be my guess. Um, I'd be surprised
0: it, if Richardson didn't get one of those spots, considering he played this year.
3: Yeah, I thought he did fairly well. For a freshman in the ACC, he didn't. I don't remember him getting embarrassed. Um, He's you know he was still losing a lot of baby fat. (laughs) He was um, he had kind of a different shape coming in. Whereas someone like Emmanuel McGirt, I think he's going to be physically ready when he comes in. So I I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I I would say I'd say you probably have Adams. I'm blanking on there was one other lineman that started that did that's not graduating this year. Um, Bradbury. Yeah, yeah, Bradbury could. I, I think there's actually a decent amount of options on the line. They're just going to be really young. But it, it, if I had to guess, I'd say you had Adams, Richardson, McGirt, um, probably Tyler Jones, and maybe Bryce Kennedy, Prescott. Um, yeah, Prescott was what I mentioned earlier. It's good. Yeah. He's got the size and he's got the upper body strength. I just I don't know about his footwork. We don't. We haven't gotten to see him much this year. So um, I think interior we're going to be fine. It's just going to be a matter of who do we have on the edge.
0: It, we also have a new O line coach coming in, uh, presumably.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. Sure. And there's some, you know, there's four star guys in there. If you look at those, those numbers, you know, mm-hmm. Richardson was a four star, Prescott was a four star, McGirt was a four star. You know, so there's some talent on the offensive line. Uh, you know, just a matter of you know getting them some reps and getting a coach in there to to handle that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, I think it'll be okay, at least as the season goes on. I yep. have one more point before we close,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and that is,
0: you know, I feel like if you look at what Dorn's doing, the if you look at the guys who he's recruiting, and who's who he's recruiting against. So I think you always look at the scholarship offers that these kids have, you know, versus the stars. I think that's a little bit more telling. Mm-hmm. I think the the guys he's recruiting overall, it's a, just a different level than what Tom O'Brien was. You know, Tom O'Brien's. Recruiting against ECU and Old Dominion. Yeah. And it what reminded me of that is Richardson what came down to us in Florida State. And Doran got him from Florida State. I think that's – you're seeing that more and more. These guys were losing guys to Clemson. But, hey, we're losing guys to Clemson. They're in a the damn national title game.
3: Yeah, right? yeah. You're not so, losing them to Wake
0: Forest and stuff. That's why I always – I come. that's why I come back to you and say, you know, I think Doran's going in the right direction. I get frustrated just like everybody else. But I think you know, I think if you look at it
3: and get down into the details, I think to me that's he's going the right way.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I agree with you on that, both on the looking at who's offered and hey, at least he's fishing in big waters. He's not just, hey, I just want to put a team together. It that I don't think that does you any good. <laughs>
2: You can't strike out if you don't even try and bat, you know? right?
3: And you you can always get the you can always get the kids that are committed to ODU and ECU in January if you just throw an offer at them. You yeah. get ninety percent of them, so and, and I think that's mostly what Dorn's doing. Unless he falls in love with a kid, I mean, shoot, we didn't we none of us can admit that we knew who Jalen Samuels was until he committed. Um, you know, he's he's a good t- camp evaluator, so that's when he does go for those two and three star kids. So I, I trust his judgment on that. He's at least fighting
1: for him. Was until after he committed, and even after he committed, I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I
3: I just remember it was it was he had there was like a two day camp where we had like seven commitments, and we knew who like two of them were. Um, I think it was like Jermaine Pratt and like one other person. And I was like, who the heck is Jalen Samuels? Why are we taking a fullback? And then you know I watched his film and I was like, holy cow, this kid's amazing. Um, Yeah. And so so I think he does a good job of outside of the camp offers, he fishes for the big guys, realizes. You know, like Bryce Banks, two-star kid, but, you know, we, we came in on him on December, and they must have liked him because they missed on the bigger kids. That, at that point, that's fine because you can still fill a roster. But at least he's going for, you know, Overton and Lawrence and these guys. He's, you know, he's staying in the race for them.
0: And Banks was committed to the SEC, so. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, he's not just a jabroni two-star.
3: Yeah, he's he, he's a two-star, but he's from Missouri. People may not have seen him. Seems to have good size. He's enrolling early. I think there's a lot of credence in that. You can get a kid an extra semester on campus. There, there's 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 things outside of just the star ranking.
1: Is there a recruiting service that does just based off of offer lists?
3: Like- I did that. I did that for us our first like one of the first times that you had me on. <laughs> um, but that was just for us. But two four seven kind of does that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: They That's they like- kind of.
1: Like, I, I'm with Evan I think if you go by offer list versus you know what some knucklehead you know says on a site, I mean uh, and I, that's me kind of recruiting websites. Or whatever, but you know uh, if, you, if, if we're going uh, up against you know SEC schools and, and programs that are ahead of us in prestige and are either beating them or are at least in the mix until the very end. I mean that is a good sign. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess that's pretty much it. Rich, Richard Aver did weigh in with a question about Huxtable also getting the golden parachute, but I think talking <laughs> about, you know about um, feeling like if uh, this might be a sign of Doran taking more of a uh, command in the defense. Um, mm-hmm. Any oh, other closing?
0: Sorry. Yep, I got one more question for Dustin. Um, how did the the thunder sticks or the statement sticks sound at the bowl game?
2: Oh yeah, like complete failure. <laughs> it was it was bad. I mean, is, I,
3: is it like the failure gong and whatever that show was?
2: Yeah, it was like just a sad face. <laughs> I mean, people were what what really pissed me off is people beating the shit out of them while we were on offense. <laughs> like yeah. they don't comprehend that. Oh wait, we need to be quiet now. Just like yeah. people that loudly cheer at Carter Finley. But it didn't really compare to the cow. Those cowbells are loud <laughs> as hell. I mean, they really are. And it, I think they could have ended up with a bigger crowd than us or close to it. Because I think, you know, you're from there, you buy tickets, you're going to come, you're going to go no matter what. And then I think a lot of people here didn't go because of the weather. Mm-hmm. So the crowd was awful. I mean, we should be ashamed, really. <laughs> An in-state bowl game should have been close to capacity, but we had people not want to get wet. My boots were still wet the next day, but (laughs) you know what? It's in state. You got to go. Yeah. The
1: the cowbell thing, like I, you know, I want to know just how, like, did you have anybody around you with cowbells or were you pretty much isolated in an NC state section? I was in a
2: state section. Now going in, you could hear them just loud, obnoxious people. Beating them, walking around the concourse, a couple the drunk guys, but uh,
1: they really carry though from the other side of the stadium. Okay. It, I just don't know how they're legal. I mean, I, I, I to this day, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you can, based off of a tradition, say, well, you know, we've banned every other artificial noisemaker, but this one will allow, and you know, that, yeah, well,
2: they police should... it really well in the SEC. Yeah. And the officials know when to penalize them if the bells ring when they're not st- or supposed to. That was not the case. <laughs> I mean, they they rang them whenever they wanted, nonstop.
1: I had some yokel Mississippi State fans show up in my mentions about it, and you know say, "Well, they know when not to ring it." And I'm listening to the game on the radio, and I mean Tony Haynes's field mic, like, you know, or well, the radio cruise feel Mike. i mean you could clearly hear them ringing all the way up to and after the snap of the football yeah oh yeah it was infuriating but yeah it
2: was it was bad that made me angry and then did (laughs) was it like talked about on the broadcast how we were called north dakota state oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) that that happened (laughs) like we were just kind of stumped like well that that's that just makes perfect sense yeah i just didn't know (laughs) if the tv called it and made a deal about it or not oh yeah
1: the 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 play-by-play guy on TV just laughed immediately. Like, oh my! I mean, you could tell he even he was flabbergasted that this guy <laughs> didn't <laughs> know was where the crew from. pac twelve. Uh, yeah. So Which where did they get North Dakota?
2: Line. I don't. I mean, know. how does that even happen? That's what I was saying. It's they're not in like, our state not, too,
3: right? Like, it's not like we're from. Um, you know, we're the small state and they're the big state, or something.
2: Yeah. That <laughs> it guy's only happens to lot of us. Grad. Like
3: I could even understand if they say North Carolina, it happens. You're yeah. all, you're like speaking in front of all kinds of people, but the North Dakota State was a, that was something different.
1: It was North almost Carolina so State's crazy. Good. Yeah, yeah, we 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 would be on a pretty kick-ass winning streak at this point. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: actually wouldn't mind being them right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One like what something like four FCS titles? Yeah, like
3: three mm-hmm. in a row and four the last five or some crazy yeah. thing.
1: Uh, well, we won't get into the whole relegation argument. <laughs>
3: I'm pro relegation. <laughs> yeah, I am too.
1: <laughs> well, oh. maybe this is a good spot to end the show. Um, I've enjoyed it. This was a really good, fun conversation, and and maybe you know when the opportunity presents itself, we can talk some basketball. Um, oh you know. please! please man. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't resist picking at that scab before we end <laughs> the show. <laughs>
2: I think we should definitely do it when seasons are over. So we'll mm-hmm. talk to y'all soon after track and fields over. And yeah, uh, rifle
3: season, man. Yeah, hey,
2: we're good at rifle, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. we should be. Well, at least we, we used
1: to be. Do a post wrestling season. Hey. Yeah, they're doing great. That works.
2: We
3: just read a bunch of rankings because it's about <laughs> all we get
1: to. We get Guzzo back on the show. Yeah. All right, well, I'm James Curl. That's Matt Purdy. And uh, we're the Riddick and Reynolds side of this equation. Dustin, I'm Evan.
0: He's Dustin. And we're the Red White Podcast side.
1: That's it. Uh, we will talk with you guys next time. Thanks, hey, guys. Go Pack. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Right, go Pack. Sorry, Dustin. I trampled all over your grill. That's all right. That's all right. They, <laughs> they get the point. Get so the point. does everybody else. <laughs> <laughs>